you for being here. Thank you so much. If you have your Bibles, turn to Joshua chapter number 10. Joshua chapter number 10. We've had a great afternoon just spending some time with your preacher. I'll tell you what, I can't tell you for how many years I've looked at this church, I've looked to your preacher as just uh, a model, uh, someone I could look to who is a few years down the road that I could learn from and be helped from, and I have been thoroughly anticipating being with you guys here on this evening for the kickoff of your Refuel uh, sermon series, and so we're looking forward to that. I drove up a little bit early today. Um, my brother, uh, his mother-in-law is a dentist in the area, and so I was complaining about some teeth work over Christmas, and my brother said, why don't you just call up my mother-in-law? She'll get this all straightened out for you and everything. So I drove up earlier this morning, and, uh, and I got in the dentist chair, and I'm telling you, this lady went to town. I'd never met her before, um, just all over my face. How many... <laughs> How many of you are like me? You, you don't necessarily prefer dentists. I mean, maybe, maybe I'm the only one. I, they have this dentist phobia uh, thing going on. They always do the same thing. You're sitting there, and, uh, and she kept saying, you're tense. You're tense. And I'm sitting there, and, you know, and I, it, it, does this happen to you where all of a sudden they're drilling around, and then just something just shoots through your, you know, your head, and it's like this jolt, you know, and you're just sitting there, and this thing's going, and, and then they always say the same thing. Uh, did, it, did it hurt? No, I just randomly like to do that at times, you know, just flip. And, uh, but we, we made it after, man, she, she found a, a I mean, she just, I'm serious. She did all kinds of stuff on me this morning. To, uh, got a little root canal, a couple cavities. I didn't, I didn't realize it was so bad, but they just they knocked it out. And so uh, I told her, I said, uh, I got to preach tonight. So you got to make sure whatever drugs you give me, uh, are, they're done by the time the service starts. So she promised me that all the medication has now worn off. I really don't know if it has or hasn't. Uh, you, you will have to be the judge of that one by the time we get to the end. Joshua chapter number 10. Joshua chapter number 10. I have been in much prayer the last few weeks about what the Lord would want me to bring here to you tonight. I never take the opportunity of preaching at another church lightly. Um, it's always a little intimidating. You don't know the people. You, 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 you don't really you know, know what exactly, uh, you know, what they need. And so you really are just kind of trusting the Lord, uh, try to get some feedback from the preacher. And, and I'm just, I'm so excited about what God's doing in this place. I, I cannot tell you, hearing about the people that are being saved uh, the lives that are being changed. Uh, he was telling me on s uh, some occasions, you guys, triple services for special me. I'm telling you, that is phenomenal. And so to some degree, I feel like, man, I, I don't really know what to give you here tonight. It just, you know, and, uh, but at the same time, I, I do believe there's something very specific for such a time as this that I hope will be an encouragement and be a help. Uh, Joshua chapter number 10, I, I don't know if there is a miracle recorded in the scripture that is more epic, more spectacular than the one we find in our passage tonight. And I think, I think you'll see it in just a moment. So before we begin, let me just kind of catch you up to speed here. Joshua and the children of Israel, they have just conquered Jericho. Uh, they took out Ai, and now they're going for the Amorites. 
Well, of course, the king of the Amorites, they're shaking in their boots. So they all kind of come together, and now they go out to attack. They go on the offensive toward the allies of Israel and Joshua. And so this is kind of where we pick up our story here in verse number 8. And if you are physically able, I'd like to invite you to stand out of respect for God's word as we read our text here today. Joshua chapter number 10, notice verse 8. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear them not, for I have delivered them into thine hand. There shall not a man of them stand before thee. Joshua therefore came unto them suddenly and went up from Gilgal all night. And the Lord discomfited them before Israel and slew them with a great slaughter at Gibeon and chased them along the way that goeth up to Beth Horon and smote them to Ashka and to Makeda. Verse 11. And it came to pass as they fled from before Israel and were in the going down to Beth Horon that the Lord cast down great stones from heaven upon them unto Azka and they died. And there were more which died with hailstones than they whom the children of Israel slew with the sword. Then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day that the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand thou still upon Gibeon, and thou moon in the valley of Ahalon. I love this. And the sun stood still, and the moon stayed until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. Is not this written in the book of Yasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and hasted not to go down about a whole day. I want to speak on this subject here tonight, refueling your faith. Refueling your faith, shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, you know my spirit right now. Lord, my heart is that, Lord, you would use your word. Lord, that your spirit would go before us. Lord, I'm asking that you would do in our hearts, Lord, what I am absolutely aware of what I, I, aware of what I can't do, and that's change hearts, Lord. And so I pray, I ask, and I beg that you would do through us, Lord, what we could never do through ourselves, Lord. I pray that you'd bless our time together here this evening. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. Just before uh, I was about to get married, we were making all the necessary wedding arrangements. And uh, uh, there was one thing I was afraid of. I don't know, maybe some of you were like this. I was just terrified that I would be, I'd just fall deathly sick, you know, right before my wedding, right before my honeymoon. It was just kind of a little fear of mine. And uh, we got closer. My wife is from Indiana. And so I remember about three days, four days before we were to be married, I flew out to Indiana to be with her, to get ready for the wedding ceremony, get all the last minute touches together. And uh, I was going 
willing to be staying with her grandparents. Uh, They live on a farm out in the middle of rural Indiana, and this home that I was to be staying in was the same home that my wife's father was actually born in. It was just a very old, old house, and I got to where Grandpa lived. I made my way into the house there, and uh, he said, here, now let me just take you to where you're going to be staying, and he took me up some rickety old steps, and for all practical purposes, for those three days, uh, I was going to be living in the attic, and uh, that's kind of, that's where they had put me, and it was just freezing up there. It was a lot of, I mean, we're in the middle of winter. We got married uh, in December, and it was just absolutely freezing cold, and I remember thinking, man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to sleep up here. He said, well, there's some extra blankets here, there, and uh, so I thought, well, we'll do kind of the best we can there, and uh, uh, my wife has an uncle, all right, who still lives uh, with my grandparents. He has kind of a mental disability. He's about 40 years old. And uh, Uncle Eric is his name. And this was actually Uncle Eric's room. And so me and Uncle Eric, we were going we to share room together for these couple of days. Uh, Uncle Eric loved, he loved to watch Wheel of Fortune. And he would, he would take these and he would watch them by the hour. And I, I remember just being up there thinking to myself, man, I don't know if I can stand another hour of, you know, Wheel of fortune and he'd get really intense like if the person he wanted to win wasn't winning man he'd start yelling at the television screen you know he's just really serious about his uh his wheel of fortune there and and it's really really cold and I remember I remember grandpa looking at me and I said man it's kind of cold he he said well you can you can borrow some of uncle Eric's you know long johns Uh, I was like you know kind of where I come from I just kind of wear our own underwear you know and (laughs) kind of Kind of how we do it, and uh, so, so I was. I remember being. I was, I was just. I was just so cold. It li- literally, I think because of that, maybe something with nerves coming up in the wedding. Sure enough, I I came down. I just got sick, and I uh, got terribly sick right before the right before the wedding. I, I called my wife up uh, right before the uh, wedding rehearsal on that Thursday evening. I called her up. And I said, "Honey, I I, I really I don't think I'm going to be able to make it uh, to the wedding <laughs> to the wedding rehearsal." I literally. I'm I'm not joking. I literally said that. And she said, what did you say? <laughs> I said, well, you know, I've, uh, uh, nothing. I'll see you in a minute. <laughs> you know, I hung up, overdosed on a bunch of medication, and made my way there to the uh, wedding rehearsal. I don't really remember a whole lot of it. But they tell me I got married the next day. And uh, so got, got the ring to prove it. And we were off on our honeymoon. And I had made some arrangements. She wanted to go somewhere where there was snow. And so I would made some arrangements up in Lake Tahoe at a beautiful hotel. It had just been built right before we were married. And I was so excited about it. And just, just gorgeous hotel. I remember walking into our room. And it was one of these corner rooms way up at the top of the, of the hotel there. And it kind of had windows on both sides. I remember walking in. And the lobby was just, I mean, to my room, the lobby me to my room, and I remember looking around, seeing this thing. I walked into the bathroom. The bathroom literally is larger than my living room is now. I, I thought, this is unbelievable. Yet, to this day, I've never stayed in a hotel room like the one that I had to, uh, we got to stay on there for, for our honeymoon. We we're kind of going here, look at all these kind of things, and, and I just deathly sick. And uh, my wife said, oh, let's go here. Let's, she wanted maybe skiing, these types of things. 
I just, I couldn't do it. I was still sick for the next couple of days. And so my wife took some credit cards. She went out shopping, went to the small, did all. She, she, was, she was like, this is great. This is awesome. You know, and I was just sick in bed. She did the best she could to kind of, you know, keep it fun and light and things. I remember on one evening we had room service that brought in and, and she took these little candles. I, I don't know if any of your wives have like these, you know, it's kind of like half kiwi, half flower, you know, and it protrudes these aromas uh, that, you know, all over, over your house. Any of, any of you husbands have wives that have these candles that protrude these aromas, all right? And as supposedly this is a good thing, you know, as these aromas uh, spread a- around the house. And, and she had one of these in the way. The bed was, was kind of had a shelf behind it, and we had a bunch, she had a bunch of those things up. And I, the room service came in. We brought the food in. And it just kind of set it down. I propped my pillow up, and we prayed for the food there. And about halfway through the, the prayer, I, I started smelling something. I'm thinking, well, that's a the world, you know, and just praying. I'm, I'm smelling something. And uh, so all of a sudden, in the middle of my prayer, my wife says, watch out. I turned around and the pillow had fallen into one of these candles. The thing is literally, it's on fire. And I'm, and I, you got to understand, I'm on this medication. I'm kind of, I'm not really thinking clearly. And I'm just like running, I, I'm not doing absolutely anything. I'm just, I can't, I'm thinking, I'm having visions of this entire building literally burning down around me. And I'm thinking to myself, what in the world? am I going to do? Like the only idea that I could think of was run down the stairs through the lobby and throw the pillow in the stones uh, in the snow there and I think and dress the way I am that's probably not going to be the best thing in the world to do. Finally my wife had the wherewithal she grabbed the pillow she threw it in the bathtub and uh, man she put that thing out and I remember uh, you said what did you do with it afterwards? We took that little charred pillow, we stuffed it in a drawer, and we, you know, it's, I don't know, somehow, somebody found it at some point, you know, and uh, he said, you probably should have paid for that. Yeah, we probably should have, but it's kind of the way it happened. How did that, how did that pillow, how did that thing catch fire? Well, it got... It ignited because it got really close to the source, and, and in much the same way, it's in our lives. When, when our heart gets in the right position, it's, it's amazing how quickly our faith can be ignited. And this evening, I want to just take a couple of moments and speak on this subject of refueling your faith. No doubt in a room this size, there are some folks here right now who would say, you know what, I need a sun stand still type of miracle in my life. And maybe you're here tonight and you're starting on this new year and yet as you look toward the future, man, you're kind of discouraged. Maybe you're a little bit depressed because you think about this thing that's in your life and and maybe it's a financial thing and maybe it's a relational thing and maybe it's something at your work and you're standing back and you're thinking to yourself, I desperately need God to do something big. I desperately need God to come and work in my situation. And maybe you're thinking to yourself, I'd love to see God do something in this situation, but he'd, he'd literally have to move heaven and earth to make this thing a reality. And I want to say to you, you're in luck. Because he can. He can. There are moments in our lives, just like there were in Joshua's, where we must see a sun stand still type of miracle if we're going to move forward. 
And maybe you're here today and you feel like I am paralyzed. I cannot move forward. And maybe what you're needing today is one of these sun stand still type of experiences. One of these sun stand still type of miracles so that you can once again move forward in your life. This evening, we're going to look at three powerful truths in this passage that I believe will help us to prepare to experience a miraculous victory here in our lives. Notice verse number eight as we dive into our text. Verse number eight, the Bible says, And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear them not, for I have delivered them into thine hand. There shall not a man of them stand before thee. I want to remind you here tonight that it was God who promised the Israelites a victory. This was God's idea. Joshua's actions were not instant by some personal agenda. His actions were not instigated by some selfish ambition or some egotistical plan. No, his actions were instigated. It started with a promise that God had given him in verse number eight, which leads us here to our first thought this evening, and that is this. If we're going to experience miraculous victory in our life, if we're going to experience one of these sun stand still type of miracles in our lives, it doesn't start with our desire. It does it doesn't start with our ambition. It does not start with our agenda. It does not start with what I would like to do or what I'd, I'd like to see happen. If we are going to truly see God do something big, then it's got to start with God. It's got to start with his agenda. It's got to start with his heart. It's got to start with his plan. So if we're going to see, if we're going to experience a miraculous victory, number one, we must access a promise. This is where it starts. It doesn't start with your plans or my plans, your agenda or my agenda. It doesn't start with your dreams or my dreams. If we're going to see God do something big, if we're going to see God do something big in our finances, do something big in our marriage, do something big in our relationships, maybe with a child, do something big in our career. If we're going to see God do it, then it's got to start with God. And we've got to have the courage to get a promise, to go to the word. 2 Corinthians chapter number 1 verse 20 says this, For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him, amen. That is to say, when God says it, that settles it. When God gives a promise, our God cannot and will not lie. We see Joshua accessed a holy promise. So let's look at a couple of aspects of this particular promise. Notice verse 8 very clearly. And the Lord said unto Joshua. The Lord said unto Joshua. The implications of this verse reveal that Joshua was listening to God. He was listening. Notice the promise was heard The promise was heard. Don't skip over this. I know this is elementary, but Joshua would have never seen an incredible miracle. He would have never seen God do something really big in his life if he would not have first listened to the word. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter number 10, verse 17, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let's get practical for a moment. In that area where you need to see God do something big, in that area, whether it be finances or marriage or with your children or in your career, let me ask you this. What's God have to say about it? What is it that God would have you do? 
It is important to understand that every promise in the Bible, every time God gives a promise, those promises come with a corresponding prerequisite. That is something we do in order to position ourselves for the promise. Notice verse number 9. We see, the, we see a prerequisite here. Joshua therefore came unto them suddenly and went up from Gilgal. Notice the next phrase. He went up all night. Now, now picture this for a moment. The Bible says he goes up. So he's coming from Gilgal. He's in the wilderness. In all, he's making his way up here toward Gibeon. And you see he's moving up. We see here this is the middle of the night. How many of you understand here this, this is not easy? You see, what's your point in all this? Here's my point. It wasn't easy to get to the place where the miracle would happen. And that, I want to say that to you here today. You say, I want to see God do something big right here. I want to see God do something big right there. I want to say this. Sometimes the prerequisite is hard. The prerequisite was hard. Sometimes I tell my folks back home, it often gets harder before it gets easy. See, we don't want to hear that. We want to hear, no, and I... When I do it God's way, then he makes just everything a bed of roses. But do you see what Joshua had to do? Joshua was moving up. Joshua was climbing. Joshua was willing to stay up all night. Why? Because getting to the place where God would do the miracle was difficult. It was difficult. Hebrews chapter number 10, verse 36 says, For you have need of patience. Why do we need patience? That after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. You see here, yes, the promise was heard, but the prerequisite was hard. And can I ask you this? What, what promise do you need to claim from God's word? You say, it's, it's not necessarily just about your dreams or my dreams or your ambitions or my ambitions. It's got to start with God. And if we expect to see a sun stand still miracle in our lives, then it's got to start with him. Are we listening to his word? Are we willing to pay the price though it might be hard? You say, I don't, I don't know if I could trust him. Let me ask you this. Maybe you're saying, I'm, I'm really struggling with my finances. Are you willing to trust what his word has to say in order to see a sun stand still miracle in your finances? You say, I'm really struggling in my marriage. Are you willing to do what the word says are you willing to allow it to start with God? It starts with accessing a promise. It has to start with God, and you can trust him. Uh, when my daughter was about two years old, uh, my in-laws had flown in from Indiana to be with us, and we went to a, a park. In fact, this was while I was still working in Lancaster at the Lancaster Baptist Church, and we went to a little park that was just outside the city there. And uh, I was in this phase, my daughter was about two years old, where I was, I was trying to teach her trust, so I'd, I'd always put her up on things and have her jump, you know, and so I could teach her to 
you know, kind of trust me. And so I'd put her on the table, she'd jump, and I'd catch her. And, and I was just kind of doing this. So we were at the park, and, and she was two years old, and I thought, no, this would be a great opportunity, a good lesson on trust and things. And so I put her on one of these, these swings, and we started swinging her. And I was, I was trying to convince her, hey, at, at the right moment, I want you to jump off the swing, and uh, daddy's going to catch you, all right? And, the, and uh, that, that, was the, that was the big plan. This was, was going to be great. And, and uh, some of you who who maybe know me a little uh, better, I, I kind of, I, I struggle a little bit with uh, ADD to, to some degree, and uh, which normally doesn't have huge ramifications unless you're trying to encourage your daughter to fly off the swing into your arms, and she's swinging back and forth, and we're getting closer and closer, and just about the time I heard my name from the distance, I went to turn around, and literally, it was like in slow motion, as I, as I turned around, all I saw out of my peripheral vision was my little two-year-old daughter, like, flying through the air beside me, you know, this kind of look I'm trying to reach for and grab is all, like, in slow motion, and, you know, she face plants it right there in all the sand, and, and luckily enough, she wasn't hurt, but even at two years old, she looked at me, like, with that, you know, with that look like that. You're an idiot. You know what? Is, what is this? You know this. This. What's going? What's going on here? Can I say this? Some of you may feel like, man, if I leap, if I jump, if I, if I, if I trust what he says, what? What if he doesn't catch me? Isaiah 55 verse 11. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth; it shall not. Return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. I just want to say this. You can trust him. You can trust him. You say, what about if I trust God with my finances and I, I, I go to God's word and I fulfill a prerequisite and I, I, I trust him and I, I get to that place. I position myself for a certain stand. And what if what if what he says doesn't happen? What if what if I what if I do it and it just doesn't come to pass? What can I, I just want to remind you, I just want to say this. Forget all the reasons why it won't work and just start believing all the reasons why God says it will trust him. You say, where did, how do we get to a place where we experience a sun standstill miracle? It starts with accessing a promise. It doesn't start with your dreams or your ambitions or your plans or your agenda. If you want to see a, just a sun standstill type of experience, it starts with accessing a promise. It starts with getting in the word. It starts with aligning your life with what he has to say to position yourself. It might be difficult. It might be uphill. It may mean all night. But if you want to position yourself for a sun standstill type of a miracle, you've got to trust him. How do we get this? We've got to access a promise. But notice verse number 9. Joshua therefore came unto them suddenly and went up from Gilgal all night. Let me say this. Before God would do the impossible... Joshua had to be willing to do what was possible. Do you see this right here? It says he went up suddenly. He went up all night. Just because there was a miracle coming in right around the corner didn't abdicate Joshua of his responsibility to do his part. And a lot of people have this idea. Well, God's got to do it. You know, God's in control. God's the big powerful one. God's the one that has to make it happen. And in doing so, we kind of abdicate ourselves of any responsibility. After all, God's sovereign. God is providence. And there's nothing I can do. And yet... 
what we're going to see in this passage here is Joshua does his part, which leads us here to the next thought this evening, and that is this. If we're going to experience a miraculous victory in our lives, yes, number one, we must access a promise, but number two, we must accomplish what is possible. It was C.H. Spurgeon who said it this way, God seems to do nothing of himself which he can possibly delegate to his creatures. He commands us to do slowly and blunderingly what he could do perfectly and in the twinkling of an eye. Well, why is that? Why is that? James 1.22 says it, with faith without works is dead. You see, in order to experience a sun stand still type of miracle, it's going to take, it's going to need, it's going to mean our faith is refueled. But authentic faith involves us doing our part. Notice here his actions, first of all, I want you to see, they were swift. You see this here in the passage? Joshua therefore came unto them, what's the next word? Suddenly. He did this thing quickly. He did this thing suddenly. Joshua was quick in obeying the voice of the Lord. Ecclesiastes chapter number 9, verse 10. Whatsoever the hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. One person said it this way. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Man, when Joshua was doing his part, when he was accomplishing what was possible, his actions were swift. But now notice the end of verse 10 here. And the Bible says here in verse number, uh, I'm sorry, verse number nine, uh, it says here, and he went up from Gilgal all night, and it goes on to say, and therefore came unto them, I'm sorry, verse 10, and the Lord discomfited them before Israel and slew them with a great slaughter at Gibeon. Notice this, and chased them along the way that goeth up to Beth Horon. So get, get the picture, okay? Get back in the story here for a moment. Here they are. They've been up all night. They're battling. All of a sudden, finally, the enemy begins to retreat. Now, Joshua has a choice to make. Well, they're running away now, but that was not the promise that had been given. What was the promise that God had said? I'm going to deliver them to you. I'm going to give them to you. And now they're running away, and it doesn't look as if that promise is going to come to fruition. And so we see in this passage, Joshua leads the armies of Israel to chase on after him. Not only were his actions swift, he did this thing suddenly, but they were steadfast. He didn't stop. He didn't quit. He just kept on running. He kept on chasing. Galatians chapter number 6, verse 9. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. I'm told that uh, Christopher Columbus kept a, a journal of all the events as they were making their way across the sea. But on many days in the journal, there wasn't a whole lot that was put on the page. In fact, many days was this simple phrase, we sailed on. We sailed on. Can I encourage you with this? You're saying, I need a sun's ten still type of a miracle. I realize if this is going to come to pass in my life, God would have to literally like move heaven and earth to make it a reality. I want to say to you this, he can. Oh, that we would be swift in obeying, that we would be steadfast not quitting, not, not stepping back, not withdrawing, but being faithful to what the promise speaks of. Someone once said, losers quit when they're tired. Leaders quit when they're done. 
So how are we going to experience a miraculous victory in our lives? How are we going to refuel our faith? We must access a promise. Number two, accomplish what's possible. But now notice verse number 11. And it came to pass as they fled from before Israel and were in the going down to Beth Horon that the Lord cast down great stones from heaven upon them unto Asca and they died. Now, uh, let's see here. I want you to see that here we, he is going to see something very unique. Now, I don't know about you. Maybe some of you have been to the Middle East before. I'm imagining that hail storms are not very common in the area. Joshua is about to see something that is incredibly rare. The Bible says in verse number 12, Then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. I want you to notice this here. The Bible says, then spake Joshua. What does that mean, then spake Joshua? Do you see that there's a pattern here? See, before Joshua uttered a a great prayer, before he asked God for anything, it was that there was a pattern to this. Before he asked, he was willing to listen to God. He was willing to access a promise. He was willing to accomplish his part. He was able to he was willing to accomplish what was possible. And then he asks. Number three, he asks for power. And we're going to see where Joshua now gets on his knees and he asks God to do something that only he can do. And maybe you're sitting here today and I don't know what your battle is. And I don't know what enemy you have to face right now. I don't know what your giant is in the year 2013. I don't know what lies before you in the coming weeks and in the coming months. But can I remind you of this? Can I say this? That with God's help, you can overcome. Yes, you might need a miracle of cosmic proportions in order to see this thing a reality. But the truth is this, you serve a God that can. Matthew chapter number 19 verse 26 says this, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. One person said it this way, God is the difference between what is today and what can be tomorrow. Our God is a powerful God. I want you to notice a couple of aspects of his power here. The Bible talks about in verse 11, like we mentioned a moment ago, these hailstorms, these hailstorms here. I want you to notice, first of all, we see Joshua, he acknowledges the improbable around him. Now, now get this for a moment. He's in the middle of the wilderness, and all of a sudden, these hailstones start coming down. Now, what I think is interesting is you read verse 11. The Bible says that literally more of the enemy soldiers were killed from those hailstorms than an entire day of battle. Now, the passage does not say that any of the Israelite soldiers were killed. I mean, how many of you would like to have been there for that one? You know, all of a sudden these hailstones start coming down. And literally, I'm not, I mean, hailstones. Hailstones big enough to kill people coming down in the middle of the desert. And they start knocking them off one by one until the Bible literally says more of them were killed in a few moments in this storm than in an an entire day of battle. And Joshua is standing back just watching. 
He's seeing something very unique. He's seeing something very unlikely. Don't miss over this. There's, there's places where God is doing a tremendous work in our world. I often will jump on your guys' website. I'll hear reports of what God is doing. Can I say this? What God is doing at the Coastline Baptist Church is very unique. It's, if I can use the word, improbable. In fact, there are people around the state who step back and they just watch what's happening here. Much like Joshua just watched these hailstones coming from heaven, seeing God do something very unlikely in the desert, there are people who step back and watch what's going on here at the Coastline Baptist Church, and they see God's hand in a very unique and special way upon this place, upon your preacher. And there was something in the heart of Joshua as he's watching this all happen. He's seeing, literally, he's been battling all day. He's watching these hailstones come down. He's seeing these men literally dropping like flies. None of his men are being killed. He's seeing something that's very unlikely. He's seeing something very improbable. And it causes him, it inspires within him to ask for the impossible. If God can do this, what else could he do? Can I say to you today, let's not get to a place where we stop seeing what God is doing here. Let's never take for granted the fact that people are being saved, that lives are being changed that God is doing a great work in this place because it's in reflecting on the improbable. It's as we reflect on the things that God is doing, the unlikely things that are not normal in the world in which we live. All of a sudden, the more we think about it and the more we dwell on it, the more we focus on it, all of a sudden it stirs something up in our heart, much like it did in the heart of Joshua that causes us to step back and say, wow, if God can see this many people saved, if God can bring this marriage together, if God can raise up that teenager if God can use it if God can do this I wonder what he could do in the future and so as he acknowledged the improbable it caused something within him to well up and he began to ask for the impossible God if you can do that with the hailstones maybe you can do more you see here the enemy was running away and just picture it for a moment. Here's Joshua and the army of the Israelites. They're chasing after the enemy. All of a sudden they're getting further away and Joshua's thinking to himself for just a moment, God promised them into our hands, but the sun is about to go down. If the sun sets, they'll be, they'll be lost. They'll make their way into the darkness. They'll, we won't have the victory. He had already earlier seen the hailstorm. And so as the sun begins to make its way down in the distance and the enemy begins to protrude toward the horizon, Joshua drops to his knees and prays one of the most epic prayers recorded in history. And looking into the stars, he says, Son, stand thou 
and the sun stood still. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful to serve a God that can cause the sun to stand still. I'm thankful for a God that can split wide open the Red Sea. I thank God for, I, I thank the Lord for uh, being a God that can literally bring down the walls of Jericho, who can stop the mouths of lions. But I want to say something to you today. The same God that split wide open the Red Sea, the same God that brought down the walls of Jericho, the same God that caused the sun to stand still is the exact same God that you and I serve today. Oh, the Bible declares, the Lord says, I am the Lord. I change not. He's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. Literally the A and the Z. And just for the record, he's everything in between. We serve a great God. We serve an awesome God. John chapter number 14 says it this way. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. God has great things in store. Can I say for the year 2013, I believe God has some great things in store for you. I believe God wants to do some sun stand still type of miracles in your family and in your uh, uh, life and in this church. But if that is going to be a reality, it's going to take some people who access a promise doesn't start with you. It's got to start with his agenda. It starts with his plan. And then is willing to accomplish what is possible to do what you can do. Rather than saying, well, it's all in God's hands, nothing I can do. Can I say this? If you got financial issues, maybe a good place to start was put a budget together. You say, you don't understand. I got bigger financial problems than a budget could solve. You do your part. Let God do his part. You say, well, I got some serious marriage issues. You just don't understand. Well, maybe buy your wife some flowers. You say, okay, preacher. Seriously? I got some, like, buying flowers is not going to solve all my marriage problems. I'm not saying it will, but I'm saying this. You do your part. In the area that you need to see victory, go to God's word and claim a promise. Man, saturate yourself in this book. Access a promise. Accomplish what's possible. And then ask for power. And in that, you position yourself to experience a sun stand still Miracle. Notice verse 14 and we'll be done. And I, I'm sorry, uh, Joshua chapter number 10, verse 14. And there was no day like that before it or after it. Notice this, that the Lord hearkened unto the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. David Brainerd, the missionary to the Native Americans in his journal, once put, Lord, 
help me to make a difference in this world that is totally disproportionate to who I am. And I hope you would pray that for your marriage. And I hope you would pray that for your church. And I hope you would pray that for your family. Lord, help me to make a difference that's totally disproportionate to anything that I am. You say in order for God to do what needs to be done, he'd have to move heaven and earth. And I want to say to you today, he can. We just need to start praying some sun, stand, still type of prayers. How do we do it? Access a promise. Accomplish what's possible. And then ask for power. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Your heavenly Father.